Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Right. Has the Lord spoken to you about testimonies of the Bible reading plan? Has the Lord convicted you? Who would like to share something that God has told them throughout this week's Bible reading plan? You guys know I'm a teacher, right? It's my job to call upon people. Okay, I'm going to pick on the interns. <laughs> Max? <laughs> Would you like to share something? Because here comes the, uh, the mic. Okay. The row behind them, get ready. <laughs> uh, okay, morning. Um, hey, Max. I am eight days behind, like far behind, but I'm still consistent. I read every day. Um, yeah, so there's something that stood out about um, the Turn story around. of Job. Uh, the story of Job and his friends. Uh, he called them miserable comforters. So when I read that, I put myself in that picture. And um, uh, when my friends are going through stuff, do I comfort them the same way Job's friends were comforting him? Am I throwing useless words? Am I assuming that their suffering is because of a specific sin? Uh, or am I rather praying to God and asking for wisdom and then comforting my friends with that? So that's what stood out for me. Thanks, Max. Good job. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, we see a hand back there. <laughs> Looks like Anna Lois. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've been learning about how God says that it's not because you, are, you have sinned that you are going to receive like a lot of tribulations and trials. So even, what day was it that we, you were saying God says he opened, Job opens his heart to the poor, to the needy, mm -hmm. and he's been upright, but he still got tempted and was tried. It was because, it's not because he had sinned and his friends were very wrong. So uh, I'm also learning that. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annalise. One more person. I see a hand back there. Back there. Looks like Ben. Yes. Morning. Hey, hey. Uh, so I'm preaching in a couple of weeks, focusing yes, you on prayer. Are. <laughs> so every time I read something about prayer, I'm going, oh, is this relevant for my sermon? Uh, but uh, one thing that's come up to me as we've come into Exodus in our readings, well, one thing was, whew, Job is done. <laughs> But uh, the other one is that God's people prayed for deliverance because they were in slavery in Egypt. They prayed for 400 years. <laughs> Comforting. Yeah. <laughs> and it just makes me think that uh, sometimes we need to wait on the Lord and we may not even see the results of our prayers happen, but we have to remain faithful to God that just because we don't see a result doesn't mean he hasn't heard us and he won't answer. Mm -hmm. But it could take some time. Thank you very much. That's part one. Part two is in two weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Church. I just encourage you. Um, we're going to see how we can get everybody onto the same page, uh, just so that we're all reading the same. But I encourage you, even if you haven't started yet, just join us. Just come and join us. It's, it's such a beautiful thing that everybody reads together. This morning, we are very privileged again to have Mike. Mike was on, on um, 
what do you call it, Fuller home assignment for a few months, but he's back now. And uh, so he will be preaching today. And he is also a lecturer at NETS, and he joins us every weekend. You've seen him in the band. Um, and so we're very blessed to have him here. I'd like to just uh, to pray uh, as he comes up. So let's just pray as a church family. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you hear our hearts. Um, you know exactly what we're going through, Lord. You, you understand every emotion that we have, every thought, every feeling. Lord, and I know this morning that we enter this, uh, this venue as a, as a church family um, with many questions and many requests and, and, and sometimes sighs in our hearts. And I thank you that, that you are almighty and all-knowing and that we can come to you and that you are the source of our comfort and our strength. Lord, I thank you for Mike as he's about to preach with, with something that a uh, topic that comes up so often in our prayer requests. Lord, I thank you that um, you reveal your character and your heart and your word. And I thank you for Mike who's about to uh, illustrate and show to us what your word is um, on, on healing this morning. Lord, I, I thank you for your love and I thank you for your grace. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Good morning. So as you've heard uh, this month, as we're going through our fasting through the month of February, uh, we're doing a teaching series through prayer. And so a few weeks ago, uh, Paul Gunning helped to uh, lead us through some ideas on, uh, from Hannah and uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and telling us how prayer is not just some uh, mechanical thing, but it's really like a pouring out of our hearts towards God and, uh, and how God desires to respond uh, to our prayers. And then last week, uh, Ziggy helped us to think about relationships and extending grace in relationships. And a lot of times, uh, those are the kinds of issues that we're asked to pray for. And then another one that always seems to come up, as uh, Sabella mentioned, is this idea of sickness and healing. Right? That every time um, we ask for prayer requests, somebody seems to uh, have that as their request. I think at any given time, every, probably every one of us here... Uh, can think of at least one person that we know who is uh, sick or has some kind of health ailment. And so this uh, really affects all of us. And so, yeah, so that's the topic that we want to take a look at this morning. How should we pray for ourselves or for others uh, concerning sickness? All right, so... Uh, get ready. I am now going to teach you the five magical steps to become a faith healer. So we have some chicken bones we're going to bring in, get some fire and stuff. And no, uh, not at all. Uh, totally kidding. That, that is not the kind of uh, healing service or whatever that we're talking about here. There are, are no uh, five magical steps to see somebody to get healed. There's no magic words and, you know, put the hand out. You know, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to, you know, no matter how many times you say that over and over again, uh, there's no automatic guarantee that uh, somebody's going to get healed. That's not what we're looking for. Instead of that, uh, I want to suggest to you that we pray, uh, and this is my short answer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But this is a sermon, and you know, for us pastors, there's no such thing as a short answer, so let's uh, unpack that a little bit. Um, I imagine for most of us, the extent to which we think about uh, sickness and healing is that uh, sick, bad, healthy, good, so God, if you could just get me from uh, this sickness back to healthy as fast as possible, that would be great, right? Thanks. 
heart emoji, heart emoji. Uh, (laughs) But what I want for us to do this morning is to uh, try and help us to think theologically about the world that we live in. So I think the best way for you to live your story well is to understand how it fits into God's big story. Okay. So did you ever walk into somebody who's watching, uh, walk in on somebody watching a movie or a series and you just see a little clip uh, and you don't really understand, it doesn't really make sense because you don't know how it fits into that big story, right? Unless maybe you're that person who's seen everything. You're like, oh my gosh, I've totally seen this one. He's going to break up with her because she, I think that's the kind of stuff they do in soapies, right? I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I want us to, I want to try and help us to think theologically and try and make some sense of this whole sickness uh, healing thing by seeing how it fits into God's big story. Okay, so that's where we're going. To do that, we need to back up and start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, right? God creates the world and, and everything that exists and he says, this creation is very good. Okay. And every indication is that means that it's free from sickness, disease, and death. You know, Adam and Eve would have had brand new DNA, so no little gaps or corruptions or things, no defects or disorders, no uh, handicaps or disabilities. And wouldn't that have been a great world to live in? But that's obviously not where we live today, right? Because then Genesis 3 happened. And sin entered the world, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and everything, everything became broken. So Romans tells us that, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. In chapter 8, it says that creation was subjected to futility and, and is in bondage to corruption. So from that time on, creation, all creation, was broken and affected by sin. And so now we live in a world today that includes sickness. So we could say that the, the ultimate cause of, sin, of sickness in the world today is sin. So I'm going to say sin with a capital S in the sense of the power of sin in general. Uh, And I want to make a distinction between the sweeping power of sin and then particular individual sins that we we commit, which we could maybe say with a lowercase s. Uh, So that this capital S big power of sin has, among other things, it's, it's corrupted our natures and it moves us to commit individual, uh, particular individual sins, the lowercase s, right? But it has also far uh, more reaching consequences than that. But uh, you see that distinction there. And I think that's important because of uh, what was actually just said earlier, that it's, it's not like every time that you get sick, uh, it doesn't mean that it's a punishment for some particular lowercase s sin, right? Uh, but it is certainly because we live in a world that is affected by the capital S sweeping power of sin. Okay? Uh, let's try and illustrate this. If you've ever lived in Zimbabwe any time in the last 30 years, then I think you understand. Uh, there were certain ruling powers in place that made decisions that affected the whole land. 
Okay? And as a result, inflation skyrocketed, the economy plummeted, and so now you have, then you have to stand in a queue for hours and you get at the bank and then you get to the front and they tell you there's no money. Uh, you have to take a wheelbarrow full of cash to the grocery store just to buy a loaf of bread. Okay, but you're not thinking every time something bad happens to you that, that oh man, uh, which law did I break to, to deserve this? Right? No, actually it's because the... Uh, because that the land that you live in has been affected by these certain ruling powers. Okay, so that's the distinction that we're trying to make here. Similarly, we live in a land that has been affected by the powers of sin and death. And so now everything is broken. Now people get sick. But every time you get sick, you don't have to try and connect that to some particular little s sin that you've committed. Okay, this is what uh, people were just talking about from the book of Job, that uh, Job's friends thought this way, that they were convinced that Job's suffering and his sickness was because he had done something wrong. But that's one of the whole points of the book of Job, that Job was an innocent sufferer. And that in the end, we find that it's actually his friends who are rebuked because they didn't speak what was right about God. Uh, even Jesus' disciples thought this way in uh, John chapter 9, we're going to look at here. I think this is really helpful. Uh, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So you see, it's the same idea that the, maybe the parents sinned uh, and so that their baby was born blind as a punishment, or maybe somehow in the womb this man sinned. So either way, they they were attributing this uh, sickness, this blindness, to a particular sin. But look at what Jesus says. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay? So sickness should not always be attributed to punishment for some particular little s sin that we've committed. I mean... Think about it. There's plenty of other reasons why people get sick. So, for example, when Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden and they couldn't eat from the Tree of Life and now they're no longer going to live forever, well, now we get old. Our bodies deteriorate. Uh, When I was just back in the States on home assignment, I was part of a Bible study with uh, a men's Bible study with a bunch of pensioners. And I would visit also around to a bunch of different churches and end up talking to a lot of old people. And what I realized is that you know you're getting old when all of your conversations are about your health ailments. <laughs> right? Is that true? Um, and I realize this myself. I mean, I feel that, that, that the older that I get, the more and more things just don't quite work like they used to. Because we live in a world that has been affected by sin, our bodies deteriorate. We get old. We don't have perfect DNA anymore. We have little gaps, corruptions, which can result in different defects and disorders. Uh, sometimes we make bad decisions. If you, wear, uh, if you don't wear a jersey when it gets cold outside and you catch the flu, uh, guess whose fault that was? Yeah, your bad decision. Okay? If, if you eat a whole bunch of chocolate and then never brush your teeth and you get a toothache, guess what? No sympathy from me. <laughs> right? Sure, I will pray for you. I will pray for you to get some wisdom and learn how to make better decisions. <laughs> Our bad decisions can lead to us getting sick. Or sometimes 
Sometimes it's other people's bad decisions. Right, sometimes uh, you know, someone is, decides to drive drunk, gets in a car accident, and the other driver is paralyzed. I know a set of twins who have some severe learning disabilities and some stunted development because uh, when she was pregnant, their mother decided to drink. It's called fetal alcohol syndrome. They didn't do anything to deserve that, right? But it was someone else's, the result of somebody else's bad decision. Or sometimes people make purposeful, self-sacrificing kinds of decisions. Okay, so a few years ago during the Ebola outbreak up in West Africa, right, there were two missionary doctors from SIM who put themselves in harm's way trying to save other people's lives. And they themselves got Ebola. Thousands of Christians in Europe during the bubonic plague epidemic, they uh, would bring infected people into their homes to care for them. And as a result, they got infected and died. These people were in fact doing good and they got sick because of it. Okay, so there are plenty of other reasons why people get sick uh, because we live in a world that is broken and corrupted by the power of this capital S sin. Okay. However, I cannot entirely leave out the reason that it might actually be a result of sin in your life. And I say might and not always because obviously we just listed a whole bunch of other reasons why you might be sick. But I would be remiss not to include this reason because the Bible includes it. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30 is one example. Some people in the church were misusing communion and so it says, That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Sin might be an issue in James chapter 5, where sickness and sin are both included here in the immediate context. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Back in the Old Testament, in God's covenant with Israel, if they obey the law, then there would be no sickness in the land. But if they disobeyed the law, then sickness was one of these covenant curses. So in Deuteronomy 28... If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God and be careful to do all of his commandments and his statutes, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. So because sin is one possible reason for sickness... I think it should certainly cause us to reflect inwardly and uh, to think and repent about any sin in our lives. But we should all be doing that regularly anyway, right? <laughs> As Christians, we should regularly be trying to uproot sin from our lives. Right? Self-reflection and repentance shouldn't be some extraordinary thing that we do just because we're sick. You know, it's not as if we're trying to connect this sickness with that sin, and then if we repent from that sin, then we'll get better. No. It's about turning away from sin because it's bad for you, and it's about pursuing holiness because that's who God wants you to be. So don't get stuck on this point like Job's friends did. If you know there's some sin in your life, then confess, repent, pursue holiness, and move on. But there are plenty of other potential causes of sickness as well. But the ultimate cause of sickness is because we live in a 
capital S sin world. We live in a broken world that's been affected by sin and sickness and disease, disorders, defects. It's all an indication that this world is not the way that it's supposed to be. But there is hope. Is that a great word? Throughout biblical history, we get these little uh, glimpses and promises that the world won't be like this forever. That there is a time coming when all that is broken and all that is wrong with this world will be restored. That biblical writers call this the new heaven and the new earth because the old things will pass away. Look at this. Speaking uh, of the new Jerusalem, that's kind of this uh, symbolic capital city of the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah says, and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. The apostle John says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's the kingdom of God. That's the way that it was meant to be. So then this guy shows up on the scene and starts performing miracles and and healing people. Matthew 4, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Okay? Pretty much every historical account about, uh, account about Jesus at least has this one thing in common, that Jesus was a great healer. But tucked away in here uh, about all this uh, extravagant and exciting miracles is one little key phrase. Did you catch that? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. So what does this gospel of the kingdom have to do with this healing stuff? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, So Luke Uh, tells this fascinating story in chapter 4 of his gospel. Maybe you remember the story from verses 16 through 21. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So he unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So the passage that he was reading from was Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And these verses are in a section where Isaiah is looking forward to that future day of God's kingdom, uh, his perfect kingdom there. But when Jesus sat down and goes to give his comment on the passage, did you catch what he says there? Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Right? Do you see that? Jesus is the fulfillment of God's kingdom. 
right? So every time that Jesus was restoring sight to a blind person or healing a sick person or making a lame person to walk, he was saying, God's kingdom is here. Is that exciting? Not yet? Okay, one more. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison, and, and he's heard about what Jesus has been doing, and so he wants to just to, to check out and make sure that this is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Uh, so from verse 2, now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news uh, preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You know, uh, Jesus never seems to give quite a straight answer, does he? But do you see what he's saying here? He's pointing John uh, back to the prophecies of the kingdom. He says, look what's happening. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the sick are getting healed, the gospel is being preached. Those are the very signs of the kingdom of God. So the answer is, yes, the king of the kingdom is here. So you see, every healing miracle that Jesus did was pushing back the effects of the kingdom of darkness. He's saying, Capital S sin, your days are numbered. I am the king and God's kingdom is here. It was the future glory of God's kingdom his, where there will be no sickness and no sin and no pain and no death breaking in to the present time. Right? It was a foretaste of God's perfect kingdom to come. It was a declaration that Christ is the king, that he is more powerful than sin, he is more powerful than death, and one day he will come back and set everything to the way that it should be. Yeah, amen. But obviously, it wasn't a total fulfillment of all of those prophecies right now. Right? Because, well, people still get sick. Jesus didn't heal every single sick person in Israel, but he began to bring the effects of the kingdom. Okay, just like the president gets elected in November, doesn't take office until March. So uh, the first coming of Christ, he was introduced as the king. But when he comes back the second time, only then will he bring in the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. Okay? Are we together? So then Jesus went back to heaven and sent out his disciples to go and make more disciples. And as they went, they would be healing people in the name of Jesus. So notice it's not their own power, but it's the power of Christ that heals. But today, uh, there are some people who believe uh, and teach that those kinds of miraculous healings don't uh, happen anymore. That it was a sign for that particular time in history uh, to authenticate the apostles' message, to uh, kind of confirm their apostolic authority. But now that we have the Bible, they would say that we don't actually need those kind of sign miracles anymore. Okay? Um, but I'm not sure that that position uh, actually fits with experience or with the Bible itself. Uh, I mean, even today, you can hear countless testimonies of people who 
have uh, seen or themselves been restored to health without any kind of uh, medical explanation. Maybe you've heard some of those stories. You know some of those people. This position also has, I think, some difficulty with James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, where it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, we mentioned this verse before when we were talking about uh, potential causes for, sin, uh, for sickness and how sin might be one of those particular things. The two do seem to be related in this passage. But notice what is expected here. It's expected that the elders and the one another's will be praying for people who are sick and that they will get well. Right? So uh, praying for healing seems to be an expected practice amongst the churches, um, even New Testament times. So Now, I, I want to make a comment here about this uh, prayer of faith. Okay, so sometimes you hear these so-called faith uh, healers say that if you didn't get healed, then what that means is that you didn't have enough faith. Well, that's uh, foolishness for multiple reasons. Um, most obviously, they don't even, they kind of ignore the fact that every single one of us is going to die, right? Whether it's through the natural deterioration of our bodies or something more uh, sudden and surprising, our physical bodies will eventually fail us uh, at some point. Even that particular pastor who's preaching that, that it's not up to us and our measure of faith, but rather it is God who determines the number of our days. Okay. Uh, secondly, even if you look in the Bible, there are plenty of people, faithful people, who got sick. So Paul's friend, Trophimus, uh, Paul left him behind sick as they traveled. In 2 Timothy 4.20. Timothy himself got sick. 1 Timothy 5.23. Epaphroditus almost died Philippians 2.27, Paul himself got sick, Galatians 4.13. Paul even prays three times for God to take away the thorn in the flesh, but God said no. So are you telling me that the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith? The issue is not how much faith that you have. Jesus says even faith as small as a mustard seed would move a mountains, but it's not about you. God is the one who determines who gets well and who doesn't. God never guarantees immediate, miraculous healing for anybody. So the prayer of faith doesn't mean that we name it and claim it. Rather, it means that we believe at least two things about God. First, faith believes that God can heal. That God is more powerful than sickness, that he is able to heal. Now, whether that is miraculously and immediately, or he uses natural means like medicine or doctors, surgery, our immune system, that's no less God's provision for healing. That's, it's just because that he uses these natural means to accomplish it. I mean, that's normal. God uses means to accomplish things all the time, but it is God who heals 
Then secondly, faith believes that God will do what is best. Faith believes Matthew 7, 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? And faith believes Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Faith believes that God is for you, not against you, so that he will do what is best for you. Even if it's not always what I think is what's best for me. And the, a child may ask for all the sweets, but the wise parent knows that that's not good for them and says no. Right? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so as Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, we pray, not my will, but your will be done. Now, don't think of that as some kind of qualification that's just tacked on the end of a prayer to kind of cover up a lack of faith, as if to say that, okay, just in case God doesn't come through this time, well, then I just say, oh, well, it wasn't God's will. No, it's actually a demonstration of faith because it means that we are submitting ourselves to God's will. It's saying, God, this is what I desire, but I know that you know better than me because you're God and I'm not, and so my ultimate prayer is that you will do what is best. But what could be better than physical healing? Obviously, that's what God wants for me. Okay, but this is where it gets really good. But let, us just, let me just summarize so that I can make sure that we're all tracking. So point number one was that physical sickness in our bodies is a vivid reminder that this world is not the way that it's supposed to be, Right, when you're, you're sitting there holding the toilet seat, puking your guts out, you know that something is wrong here. Okay? When, when you're taking chemo and your hair is falling out, then you know this is not the way that it should be. Okay? Now, and, and, and now in the present, you can go to the doctor, you can go get a prescription, you can get an injection or something, and maybe you go into remission this time, but the reality is that eventually you are going to die. I am going to die because the real problem goes a lot deeper than a virus or a tumor. The real problem is we have a sick heart. Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay? See, I don't need a doctor. I need a savior. Right? I don't just need a prescription. I need a spiritual heart transplant. Physical sickness in the world reminds me that I am sick in here. Okay. But isn't it great that Jesus is in the healing business? Okay. And that was point number two, that when Jesus came to earth, the king was here pushing back the effects of sin in the world, healing diseases, casting out demons. And, but it, it wasn't just physical healing. He conquered capital S sin by taking its penalty on the cross. And he defeated capital D death by rising again from the grave. So that Isaiah could write, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. So I tried to diagram this out for you here so that you can see the, the parallelism. Right? See how pierced and crushed and chastisement and wounds, that those are all parallel ideas? And then it's the same at the end of each line, first two negatives and then two positives. So uh, he endured this pain because of our transgressions and our iniquities. Those are two parallel uh, ideas, words for sin. That's a spiritual idea. And then it resulted in peace and healing. That is reconciled, restored, healed relationship with God. That Christ's victory over sin brings us spiritual healing. Which is exactly how Peter interprets this verse uh, when he quotes it in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, so you see... Physical sickness is a reminder of our great spiritual sickness. And physical healing is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Okay. So now that we are thinking theologically about sickness and healing, right? Now let's go back to our question uh, from the beginning. How should I pray for myself or my friend who is sick. So a few suggestions. First of all, pray with thanksgiving. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, right? That in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, and so, I mean, what do I have to be thankful for when I'm sick? Well, tons. When we're looking at this in light of God's big story, how about thank God that this sickness is not ultimate. Thank you, Lord, that this isn't the way that it's supposed to be, and that one day it won't be this way. Sickness is a temporary and passing affliction. Rejoice that, that Christ has defeated the powers of sin and death, and when we understand this idea of sickness in the context of God's big story, then we have so much to be thankful for. Okay, so we pray with thanksgiving. We there it is. We pray in faith. We talked about this at length already. Uh, we pray believing that whether through natural or supernatural means that God can bring healing to a person. If he can't or won't, then why are we praying to him in the first place? All right, it only makes sense. Uh, we pray because we, have the, we believe that he has the ability to heal and that he loves us and that he wants what's best for us. But when God's best doesn't line up with my idea of best, praying in faith says, your will be done on, heaven as it, on earth as it is in heaven. So I submit to God's will, uh, praying for him to then transform my will. We pray for healing. Just like James 5 tells us. Uh, and this is what I meant before when I said, that we pray, your kingdom come. The future glory of God's kingdom is breaking into the present day. Sure, it's, it's only in little pieces now, and it will only be in all of its fullness one day in the future when Christ returns. But God, what we will one day experience in the future, uh, that, that fullness of your kingdom, 
where there is no sickness and there is no disease and no death, we want to see a little piece of that right here in the present. Okay? Uh, we want to see you bring this sick person and restore them to health. God, push back the effects of sin uh, in the world. Let this situation be a picture of your future kingdom breaking into the present day. Your kingdom come. And so we pray for physical healing. But even more so, we pray for spiritual healing. If that sick person already believes in Jesus, then pray that God would strengthen them to be a radical testimony for him and for his goodness in the midst of this great hardship. Pray that people would see the light of Christ in them and that more and more people would come to know Jesus. And then if they don't believe in Jesus yet, then pray that God would use this situation in their lives to turn their hearts towards him. Pray, excuse me, pray that they would understand the depth of the sickness in their own heart and that they would turn to Jesus as the only way to be reconciled and have a healed, restored relationship with God. Johnny Erickson Tata has a phenomenal perspective on this. At age 17, she dove into a lake, underestimating its depth, and broke her back. She was paralyzed from the shoulders down and spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair. Uh, She had battled anger and depression and suicidal thoughts in some of those early days, and then found her hope in Christ and was transformed. She founded an international ministry then to people with disabilities and shares uh, with them the hope that she's found in Christ. At age 61, she battled through cancer successfully. And then at age 69, she did it again a second time. So I think she knows a little bit of this hardship of sickness and suffering. This is what she says. I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without him. My wheelchair was the key to seeing all this happen, especially since God's power always shows up best in weakness. So here I sit, glad that I have not been healed on the outside, but glad that I have been healed on the inside, healed from my own self-centered wants and wishes. Wow. What a testimony of the goodness of God pushing back the kingdom of darkness in our hearts so that the king of kings might come and rule in our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as you are asked to pray over sickness and healing, no matter what particular words that you use when you pray, I hope that this will be the theology and the faith behind those words that you use. Okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that this world, with all of its faults and uh, evils and hardships, is not the way that it's supposed to be, and that one day it won't be this way. One day you will return and come and set everything back to the way that it should be. 
That's what we look forward to. That's the hope that we have in our hearts. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I pray that you would strengthen us and equip us uh, for the journey, that uh, we would pray that we would see pieces of your kingdom come, even now, that you would bring uh, healing to those people who are sick and and use them as a, a light for your gospel, whether they are healed physically, immediately, or spiritually in their hearts, Father. We pray your kingdom come, but ultimately your will be done, not ours. The God of of heaven who knows what is best uh, in every situation, that's the God that we can rely on and we can have faith in, and so we pray that God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven pray in your name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.